Hello and welcome to the Pack Mag Parents Podcast, your place to laugh and learn. Everything we do is to make the lives of everyday parents easier. Without further ado, let's welcome our hostess with the mostess, Bree James. Well, hello, I'm Bree James and welcome back to another amazing episode of the Pack Mag Parents Podcast. Now, on this episode, we chat about mothering with mental illness because let's face it, parenting is not easy and it can bring up some tough days with it. Uh, You may feel like the world is on your shoulders and every need must be met with a smile. Well, today's guest is Naomi Fryers, who is a writer, TEDx speaker, and author. And she's very passionate and uh, she's an advocate, really, for people with mental health. And she's here today to help us learn more about this. We're going to talk about her journey through mental health and parenting and the challenges that she overcame. So let's get her on Zoom. It's time to get to class. So tell me, Naomi, did becoming a mum impact the way you approached your recovery journey? Yeah, hi, Bree. Thank you for having me. Um, yeah, it really did. So as a parent, I think your perspective on a lot of things change, <laughs> the world included at large. Um, but also in terms of being a parent, I actually found a lot of, um, although I struggled with PND, so postnatal depression and anxiety, and I was in a pretty bad way when my little man was born, um, I feel like in as he grew up um, and became more interactive, I just, I was inspired to become the best version of myself that I could be to be his mum, like to be the best, give him the best version of a mum that I could. So in a lot of ways, like he's just, yeah, he's a little, he's a little heartthrob, my little guy. He just, um, he really lights the way. Um, He keeps me on my toes, but I think that's a good thing because he inspires me, you know, and, and little kids, they're amazing. Like they'll just say whatever they want and, you know, they think outside the square and the things they come up with are hilarious. But I think like that just also having him distracted me as well from some of like, you know, the issues I was ruminating on and stuff. But mostly I just wanted to be happy for him. I knew he wanted me to be happy and he would, you know, do heartbreaking things and they were beautiful, like pick me flowers to make me happy, which will like simultaneously, you know, break your heart and make you really like warm inside. But I guess that's the thing, like I wanted to be there for him. Because did you suffer from mental health? problems before having your baby yeah 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 so I had a nervous breakdown in my mid-20s and um and he he he's I'm 30 turning 37 or 38 (laughs) don't know how old I am I've lost I've lost 10 years so it doesn't really matter does it no (laughs) um yeah so uh he's he's just turned eight so yeah I'd had I'd had like a few runs on the board so to speak before I had him and and I was still very much struggling for the first few years. Um, Yeah, that's, that's tough. Yeah, it was tough. So I guess what's your best piece of advice and for parents listening that, you know, maybe uh, pregnant right now, but they've had mental health issues in the past or they've got perinatal uh, any depression or, you know, they're worried about postnatal depression um, or, you know, they've, they've got older kids or they've got depression what is your best piece of advice for parents listening right now that have some mental health challenges? Um, and, you know, I guess if they've got older children, helping their children understand that as well. Yeah, look, I guess it would vary on whether I was talking to a carer or 
a consumer. So like if a person was struggling themselves, I mean, for anyone struggling, I'd always say try to reach out and communicate, but also like find a creative outlet as well, really helped on my recovery journey just as a distraction until, you know, the therapy and stuff started working. So like having that outlet is really important and it doesn't need to be like creative. It can be exercise or whatever, but you need to, um, you know, prioritize self-care, I guess. Um, and it's so important, especially like really for mums, because, you know, they say happy, happy wife, happy life. But um, there's, so it's also happy mum and happy bub, you know, like it's really hard for kids when their parents are doing it tough. They're, they're very energetic little beings. They pick up on everything and um, and it's tough for them. Like so, but we, in terms of explaining, like for older kids, I know we've always tried to be quiet. Um, candid with Ted but age appropriate so with my son we'll we'll explain things um, like I mean as scientifically as possible that you can explain things to his age demographic um, and just a lot of reassurance so so he knows you know it's nothing to do with him it's not about him um, mummy's not been, not been feeling well and she's been feeling sad and all those kinds of things but open enough so he knows what's going on yeah, it's, I think it's that, that transparency because kids know they're not silly. Um, they know from a very young age. And I think, you know, we're in the human. And I think the more our children can see that human side um, and that it's okay uh, to, to tell them how you're feeling, I think it's great because a lot of people, I guess, do hide those sorts of emotions from their kids. So they only see this strong parent all of the time, which I think um, can be a little bit of a silly thing to do in a way. Yeah, I guess it sort of that reluctance, I can understand the reluctance to kind of shield um, kids from going through it. But at the same time, it's it's setting them up in a system where it dictates that mental health issues are still taboo, you know, or like it's something to be ashamed of, or there's something inherently wrong with struggling. But like so many of us do, and it just sort of feeds into that that narrative. And I don't, I don't agree with that. And I want him to be able to talk to me, you know, when or if it comes to a stage where he's anxious or sad or so I think it just sets up a narrative and a dialogue to begin with early. Yeah. And I I, I, I think as a parent, you know, it's been good in a way um, to go through this because I obviously value like emotional well-being above so many other things and I just try not to sweat the small stuff. Um, I know like people can be quite pedantic about, you know, what milestones and achievements and all that kind of thing. But I just feel like, you know, if, if your kid is like nourished and really loved and nurtured and they feel safe, like you're doing the best job you can to, you know, make them grow into a robust and resilient human, they're going to find their own way. So you must've had some tough times, uh, as a parent while struggling with mental health, um, do you want to share some of your hardest moments? Uh, I think probably the early years were the hardest because when Ted was a baby, so he was like quite little, um, only nine months when he went into daycare and that was really rough. I was still at a stage of not being able to drive with him because I was just too anxious to have him in the car, which was, you know, a whole other issue. And um, it was it was really quite difficult to sort of let go and make the decision that um, he would get better care from someone other than me in those, like during those long days. And my husband is a bit of a trooper. So he was working like a million hours to keep us financially afloat and stuff. 
Um, and I ended up sending him to a centre where I'm still really good friends with the girls. And he got one-on-one in the baby room, thank goodness. It made me feel a lot better. But, yeah, it was a really tough decision. And sometimes, you know, it's the hardest thing is acknowledging that you're doing your best, but your best might not be the best for them. And that's pretty tough. Yeah. And I think, you know, I guess having that parent parent that isn't feeling like being a parent that day, um, you know, they are better off being in an environment where they are having fun and playing. And I guess that mummy guilt can not be so harsh, I guess. Oh, absolutely. And I knew, I knew in my heart, like what was best for him. I mean, there were days I struggled to get off the couch and he was little and he needed to be interacted with and cuddled and loved and that. And so it was, it was a really difficult decision, but at the same time, like it was a no brainer as well. And so, and I just, I think I knew as well that if I, you know, let relinquish some of my responsibilities, that responsibilities I did have, I could embrace to the point where like I could recover and manage them happily. And I think that was just the most important thing at the time. And I think that's key what you just said then. It is that act of love to know that you're not well enough to look after your child, to trust someone else so that you can get better because otherwise it just prolongs it really, doesn't it? Um, The amount of time until you are better. Yeah, and it's been long enough, (laughs) really. I feel it was very strange. So a a couple of years ago um, I started to what I'd say called come good, which is a very, you know, Australian expression. Um, but like, you know, feel more myself again. And it was really weird. I think it was must have been uh, 2019. Um, so Christmas time of 2019 actually felt like my first Christmas as a mum, which sounds really bizarre, but it was like, well, we've done a year and it was on me. Like I'd made it through that year and I hadn't relied on, like the supports that I'd previously. So it felt like, I mean, I've always been a mum, like don't get me wrong, like I I was a mum the whole time, but it just, it was a significant shift enough for me to notice it and just embrace the fact that like I was coming back and, um, and I was, you know, well enough to enjoy the journey, I suppose. It sounds like this journey has certainly changed your outlook on life. um, And so has becoming a mother. Can you share a little bit about that? Yeah. Um, oh, look, I'd like to think I'm more patient <laughs> than I was. I probably I am actually. I know I am. I'm more patient than I was um, when I was younger. I'm, I still I'm still lacking in that department with myself occasionally. I think that's something we all struggle with, me in particular. But um, in terms of just also slowing down. So, like I think when you're when you're aiming to recover and there's something like a big road in front of you and like my crisis point was a long way back. So like I had a complete nervous breakdown, couldn't speak, couldn't write, like just the whole works. Um, like my, as in my speech was so pressured, I couldn't get the words out. So from starting from there and the overwhelm of like what is ahead of you and then like as you I guess as you progress in a recovery journey it's really interesting because you have milestones along the way but sometimes you forget to embrace those milestones and then like now I'm I'm more I'm more about celebrating the journey as opposed to some like idyllic destination you get to at the end like oh wow now I'm recovered it's like no every day is like a new adventure and I think that's that's a better way to live life and that and even celebrating the milestones, like you can celebrate in between as well. You can just stop and enjoy it. You know, I think that was a really 
amazing lesson to learn that was, you know, stand me in good stead for hopefully my next 50 years or whatever. <laughs> Absolutely. So can you tell us about your new book, A Very Long Way? Because I guess that's, uh, you know, a nervous breakdown. That's pretty full on um, to come back from, uh, especially by the sounds of it, you know, the impact on so many of your uh, your everyday skills that you would be using. So tell me a little bit more about, about your book. Yeah, so I've always been a writer, I guess, since I was a little girl, not that I ever called myself that. Um, but when I was just finishing university, I'd been editing like the student newspaper and I was about to study postgrad journalism and that's when um, I had my nervous breakdown. So losing the ability to express myself was really particularly hard for me, almost more so than the sort of loss of identity and like all the other things that came along the way. It was just that inability to communicate my, like my feelings, my thoughts and all that kind of stuff. So um, I suppose, you know, after a few years or whatever, and it was actually, it was actually, I think the big push off was when Ted was born, I started um, writing again and I just, you know, submitted a few little pieces to lesser known publications and just kind of worked from there. And then a few, eventually like, I kind of worked my way up and things got syndicated. So, you know, I came to be editor of the Good Men Project and then got published by HuffPost and things just picked up and then I kept working on it. And then when I suppose it was probably three years ago, I got inspired by a lady to write my book who turned out to be my publisher um, at a conference. She just, she got up and it was one of those light bulb moments, I suppose, when someone talks, you know, it's like they're talking to you in a forum situation. And she just said, oh, if you've got a burning desire to share a story, there's someone in the world that desperately needs to hear it. And, I, and, it, and it would kind of be selfish not to, <laughs> to share that. So I was like, oh, wow, that's an interesting way of framing it. And it just, yeah, and I started sort of on and off putting pen to paper from there. And then it kind of just took on a life force of its own. And um, so I've, I've detailed basically my recovery journey, but also like my growing up, like it's my life story pretty much. And um, up to where we are now, and um, it will be coming out on World Mental Health Day, and it's available via Amazon, and it'll be on Audible. Um, it'll also be via Booktopia and Fishpond and a few others. So um, I've, I wanted to do a two-pronged approach, actually, with mental health. So as well as giving people, like, a hopeful story about recovery, I'm donating 50% of the proceeds from the book to Black Dog Institute for their work on suicide prevention. Um, so have you got any parting words of advice for people listening right now that may be going through uh, mental health issues or they've got someone in their life that is having mental health issues? Um, oh, I suppose in terms of the carer um, role, I'd probably, it's a really hard gig. Like I look back and, uh, and people say, like, how did you do it? Like, how did you put, you know, get back from where you were and put one foot in front of the other. And sometimes I think actually like it was my husband who did the really hard yards because sometimes I feel like, you know, you're a bit removed from the situation when you're living it in terms of you, you may be like perceived as in control, but you're not really in control much. Um, you have to regain that control. Yeah. Um, but they, you know, sometimes the carer has to actually watch with a whole new level of perception. So that's really tricky. I think um, approaching recovery always with a good dose of humour helps, but also like just the patience. Um, you know, sometimes I say, oh, my dog's decided to arc up. Sometimes I say my husband literally loved me back to life and I feel like 
and and my girlfriends say, oh, everyone needs a Steve. And I just really feel like if there were more of him in the world, like people like him and people who were willing to do the hard yards and stick by people when they were at their lowest, I think, you know, everyone could do with a friend like that. And it's really true. And if you can be that friend to someone, they're never going to forget. It'll it'll pay off. Like it'll pay dividends. It's really important. It sounds like your dog wants a little bit of kudos too. Um. <laughs> he actually has been a bit of an inspo. <laughs> through lockdown anyway <laughs> yeah yeah I can hear say what about me you know all those pats that you gave me yeah yeah well thank you so much for sharing uh your wonderful story uh make sure uh those listening you go out and grab that fantastic book uh, it sounds amazing so thank you so much for sharing your you know words of wisdom today uh go and get a copy of a very long way at all good bookshops and of course online but thank you so much Naomi for your time thanks Brie for having me Thanks for listening to today's show. If you want to be an expert guest or you've got a weird, wacky or wonderful product to share, don't be shy. Get in contact with our team at info at pacmag.com.au. This podcast is proudly produced by PacMag. You can listen to more episodes on our website, pacmag.com.au.